The following sermon was delivered by Pastor Frank Griffith in the Sunday morning service at Calvary Community Church in Brentwood, California. You'll find more information at calvarytruth.org. If you will turn with me to uh, 1 John 4, we're going to be looking at this, this passage. As I said, let me remind you again, Jesus uh, in John 13, by, by the way, this is the beginning of the Upper Room Discourse. If you remember, chapter 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 are the Upper Room Discourse. It's Jesus, and in that evening, he's going to be arrested and hung on the cross, tried and hung on the cross. Um, and in the midst of that, after Jesus has had the Last Supper with his disciples, and he had washed their feet, and they were stunned by it, and then Jesus says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another the way I have loved you. Now, what's new about it, if you, you all probably remember that Jesus was asked one time, what's the greatest of all the commandments? And what did he say? Thou shalt love your, the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So he's told us we are to love our neighbors ourselves. But now Jesus says, I want to tell you, disciples of mine, that you're to love each other the way I have loved you. And how is that? Well, he died for them. He went to the cross and gave his life for them. And so this is the way that believers are supposed to love each other with that quality of love. I, when I think about that, it always baffles me. What a, what a description. To love one another the way Christ has loved us. What a commandment that is. And remember, we talked about the commandments that these are expressions of God's heart towards us. This is what God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit believe is the best thing that can happen in our lives, that we come to love one another the way that Jesus has loved us. And uh, it seems impossible, doesn't it? It seems impossible to love one another that way. It's much easier to be angry with each other. When I first came out here uh, to Brentwood, the church I went to, they used to tell me that their business meetings were often some really knockdown dragouts, and that people like to come and watch how they got angry with each other. I don't know if that was true. It may have just been a little joke they were telling me. But let me tell you something. What God has called us to do is to love each other the way that Christ has loved us, which is supernatural, isn't it? And so in this passage in, in 1 John chapter 4, there's probably no place like it where it describes what this is and why it is so important. John is going to tell us why it's so important. And let me tell you, it is important because of what it does for the Father. The Father wants us to love the Son and to love our brothers and sisters in Christ, rather, as the Son has loved us. And when we do that, God is glorified. And, so in, and this is the reason it's so important that our Father is the only source of love there is. That's what the Bible teaches. That, that the Father is the only source of love there is. It's stated twice in verses 7 through down through the, the end of 9, I believe it is. He talks about uh, that, this is, that the Father is the only source of love. He does it in a positive way by saying, love is out of him as to its source. All love comes from the Father. If you love Christ, it's because the Father has put that in your heart. We love God, it's because he has put that in our hearts. And the negative side of it, in verse 8, he says, all those who are not loving have never known God. That's pretty radical, isn't it? If we don't love, then we have never known God. 
because God, the, the effect of having God in our life. And the Bible says that the triune God has come to dwell within us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and that they influence us. And so the fact that we can have love for Christ and love for one another is because the Father is love, and it comes from him. And because we have a relationship with him, we come to have this kind of love for one another. Now, our Father has shown us how to love. In verses 9 and 10, it tells us this. And let me read those to you, verses 9 and 10. He says, By this the love of God was manifested in us, that God has sent his only begotten Son. Only begotten Son means his one-of-a-kind Son, his unique Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He has no other Son like him. He is, he is monogenes, one-of-a-kind, unique in all that he is. He is the one that has manifested the love of the Father. Well, how did he do that? Well, he did that by going to the cross. When you look at the cross, you see selfless love. You see the Lord Jesus Christ giving himself for the benefit of those people for whom he is dying, simply to give them what they need. And he's willing to sacrifice his own life. This is, this is sacrificial. And it's, he is, the Father has given his only begotten Son, the Son of his love. Now you might say, well, why? big deal, God gives his Son. Why didn't God come and die? The Father come and die. Well, as a father, I can tell you it would be harder to give your son than it would be to die yourself. And what the father did was he sent his son in order to stand in our place and give himself for us. So every time we look at the cross, we see what sacrificial life is like, sacrificial love is like. This is, this is what it's like. And if we ever start struggling with, with a, a lack of, of kindness towards people, we need to look at the cross because it shows us the kind of love that God has for us in Christ Jesus. It was sacrificial. The only begotten God, who was in the bosom of the Father, who had lived in the presence of God from all eternity, gave himself to come into the world and to purchase us with his own blood, which means he died for us. He was willing to lay down his life for us. So the, the basic meaning of this monogenes, or, or only begotten, is that he's one of a kind. He's unique. He is the son that the father has, and he came and laid down his life for us. And he tells us, if we want to know what God's love is like, look at the cross, and you'll see what love is like. God is totally self-sacrificing. Now that is very strange, isn't it? That he would give himself completely in order to meet our need. Um, and he is, he is that kind of a person because he's just like his father. So his love, his, his love for us in the cross was sacrificial. He gave his only begotten son, but it was also beneficial to us. It was so that we might begin to live. We received life through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The third thing is that our father continues to love us. In fact, he tells us that in this passage in a way that is stunning to me. He tells us there's, there's two places in the Bible where it says, the, that no one has ever seen God at any time. It's in chapter, John chapter 1, verse 18, when it says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, speaking of his Son, this is referring to the Lord Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Christ. He says, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is, God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. Well, how in the world did Jesus explain the Father? Well, he explained the Father by going to the cross. 
Because when you look at the cross, what you see is the kind of love that the Father has. This is what 2 Corinthians 5 says. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, and therefore all died. God so loved the world that he gave. See, that's what love is. God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only son, and that's what we're supposed to do. That's what it means to love each other. That's scary, isn't it? That we have been called to love each other the way Christ has, has loved us. Isn't that an amazing command? That's his, his new command that he has given to us. And he said, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples. The thing that sets us apart from all others is that we love each other the way Christ loved us. We are, we are willing to lay down our life for each other. Now, that's, that's a very difficult thing to get to, isn't it? Well, in, in John chapter 1, verse 18, no one has seen God any time. He, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And it, the, the word explained is a technical word in, in uh, seminary. It's a word that they have classes called, uh, uh, these, these are, this is exegesis. He exegetes him. All that means is he leads out the meaning. What, what is God really like? Look at the cross. Because the cross of Jesus Christ shows you very vividly what God loves like, what his love is really like. He gives himself. He gave his own son. And let me tell you, that would be like giving yourself, wouldn't it? You that are parents know what this is like, that if you give your child, it's like giving yourself. And that's what the father did. He gave his only son to come. So love originated with God himself, and it's manifested in the son. But get this. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, this passage we're looking at, in verse 12 it says, no one has seen God at any time, same as in John 1.18. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Get that? If we love one another the way Christ loved us, what he says is God abides in us. And... His love is perfected in us. The word perfected is like, you know, when, remember we used to take pictures with uh, cameras? The last wedding I had, there was no cameras. There was all iPhones. They were taking pictures and videos and everything else. And I thought, that's amazing. But do you remember what it was like to have a, a, a camera and you had to wait for them to develop it? You turned it, you gave them the role of, of pictures and they had to develop it. Well, that's what this word perfected means. It means fully developed. We are fully developed. If we love one another, God abides in us, and our love is perfectly, is perfected in us. It's fully developed when we love one another the way Christ has loved us. This is what he's called us to. Now, the, the toughest part about this for me is thinking about it. I realize I fall so short of this command that we are supposed to love each other the way Christ loved us. And I was trying to think of people that I have loved in this way. And I'll tell you what it's like. It's a kind of fellowship that is so wonderful that you delight in being in the presence of people that you have come to love the way Christ has loved them. Um, you love to be with them. I might as well embarrass Smith because he was one of my friends. He and another guy, Dave Smith, we used to run around together all the time. And we laughed our heads off. We just laughed all the time. Everything was funny. But the, you know what was amazing about that relationship? is we talked about the living Christ. We talked about what it meant to have the Holy Spirit living in us. 
we talked about what it meant to live with confidence that God was going to save us to the very uttermost. See, that's what loving one another is. It's coming to share your heart and your soul with each other. It's coming, it's coming to love each other. And a lot of times, Christians are afraid to talk to each other about spiritual things. And that's a shame, because the way that you experience the love of Christ for fellow believers is that you share your heart and your soul with them. Uh, there's there's a, a bunch of places in the New Testament where it tells us how we're to treat one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me just read a dozen of them, 12 of them. I'll read them real fast, and you won't remember them, but at least I'll have given them to you. The first one is recognize we're members one of another. That's Romans chapter 12. Remember that we are members one of another. We've been placed in the body of Christ, and we each are members of one another. Secondly, be devoted to one another. That's Romans 12.10. Third, honor one another. Romans 12.10, same verse. Be of the same mind with one another. That's hard, isn't it? Sometimes uh, Christians think that, th that what they're supposed to do with fellow Christians is argue over doctrine. But let me tell you, that's not it. What we're supposed to do is delight in what God has done for us. Every Christian that you know, Jesus Christ came into the world and died for that person, gave his life for that person so that they could come to know the living God and to love you and for you to be able to love them. This is what he's called us to. This is amazing to me. This reminds me of a passage in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. Remember that verse? The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the dividing us asunder, which means to divide these two things, soul and spirit, which you can't divide, and bone and marrow, which maybe doctors can, but most people wouldn't be able to divide those two things. What he's saying is that the word of God is of such a nature that can penetrate right down to your soul. And it says, and then he goes on and says, and it lays us bare before him to whom we must give an account. Now, I've got to confess to you that it's hard for me to figure out uh, how to love fellow believers like Christ loved us. That's what he's commanded us to do. But what I've discovered is, is that, that God will empower us to do that. And that's what he says here, that God is dwelling in our hearts. If we begin to love one another the way Christ loved us, he says this will be proof that God dwells in us and that his love is perfected in us. Now, there's nothing in you that's perfect other than that, is there? Can you think of anything perfect about yourself? You can? I mean, that's hard, that's hard to think about, isn't it? And yet what is perfected in us is the very love of God that, that has come to be uh, uh, anchored in our love for one another. Our love for one another, which is simply doing what Jesus did, all, all you got to do is just love each other the way Christ has loved you. How has he loved you? Well, he came into the world and he gave his life for you. He gave everything that was needed in order to set you free from condemnation and guilt and to bring you into the family of God. And for eternity, we're going to be with him, this one who died for us. And he says, now in this life, what we're supposed to do is that we have been commanded. This is a command of Christ, which means this is his heart for us. He wants to see this manifested in us because it's the best thing in our lives if we love each other the way Christ loved us. 
It's easy to be mad at each other, isn't it? Isn't it easy to be angry at each other and not like each other? That's a pretty easy thing to do for people. But it's supernatural for us to love one another the way Christ loved us. To be able to lay down our lives for each other. To say that you're so important to me that I gladly give myself for your benefit is because God has given me a love for you, that I, I love you such to such a degree. Now, I know that, you know, usually guys, when they're friends, they cut each other down and they say mean things to each other because that's, that's how we express our affection for each other. Kind of weird, isn't it? We call each other names and things like that. But the fact is, what Christ has done, he has shown us how to love. He gave himself. He gave himself. I love that in 1 Peter 4 when it says, uh, the end of all things is drawn near, therefore, he says, be a sober and alert for the purpose of prayer. In other words, you ought to be so motivated to pray for one another that you're willing to be sober and alert. Now, being sober and alert doesn't just mean don't drink. It means, no, be sober, be serious about life, and, and be rational about the needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ. For example, the, the, the uh, Winters family who have this little girl, Samantha, who's having to go to rehab in order, and they're hoping that they'll be able to bring her out of this state. This is, this is a horrible thing that happens to people. Uh, we had an, another family that had a little boy that had this same exact uh, situation. I happened to be at the hospital when they went in to talk to the doctor, and I heard what the doctor told them. He said, I think he'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Well, he's not fine, and he hasn't been fine. He's like a quadriplegic. It takes the life away. And so what we, ha- what we can do is we can love this family enough to be sacrificial towards them. And that's what God's called us to do. And when we love each other in that way, he says that our love is perfected. Our love, the love that God has given us is perfected. It's brought to fruition. What does perfected mean? It means it's reached its goal. God changes us. He changes us so that we become different people. We become people who are lovers of others. We want to lay down our lives for each other. We want to meet the needs of one another. This is what he has called us to do and to be. And he says when that happens, our love is perfected in us. And God loves that and delights in that. There's a, there's a guy that's a, uh, I've talked about him before. Now I can't even remember his name. Um, who is a, he is a um, Nicholas Kristof. You ever heard of him? He's a, he's a uh, columnist with the New York Times. Not a Christian, but get this. He has said it a dozen times. He can't get over these crazy evangelicals because wherever there is pain in the world, they'll go there to help people. They'll go there to meet needs. This is a non-Christian. And what he is basically saying is, they must be disciples of Jesus because they're acting like it. That's how the disciples of Jesus act. They love one another. And they're willing to die for each other. They're willing to lay down their lives for each other. And that's what he's called us to do. And so the word of God comes and does a powerful work in our lives. And it is impressive to those who watch. It's funny, this Christoph, he does, he's not a believer. He just is impressed by evangelicals who are willing to sacrifice themselves for the needs of other people. He can't get over it. And the Father loves it too. 
because that's exactly what he wants to produce in our hearts and lives. Um, he goes on. There, there are other things here that I want to get to you. He says that we should admonish one another. That's, this doesn't sound like a positive, but it actually is. Admonish means to tell somebody when they're wrong so they can get right. You know, we had a lady in the church some time back who thought she won an automobile, and she paid. They kept asking for more money to pay the tax and that kind of thing, so she'd go to her bank, get the cash, and send it. And finally, the banker admonished her. He said, it's a scam. They're just taking advantage of you. And so she backed out of it, and she didn't waste any more money. You see, he told her what she probably didn't want to hear, but it's what she needed to hear, isn't it? You probably get it on your telephone now. I notice on my cell phone, sometimes uh, there will be a number, somebody rings you up, and they'll say, this may be a scam. And I thought, wow, I don't know why you did that to, to your phone when you call me. This may be a scam. But imagine that if you had a little detector that would tell you when somebody was just trying to take advantage of you. But what God's called us to do is to love one another the way Christ loved us, to lay down our life for each other. You know, it's costly to be a Christian. It really is. It's to, to, to lay down your life and say, I'm willing to give of myself to meet your need. Now, that's supernatural. That isn't, that isn't normal. That's supernatural. That's God doing a work in the life of, life of a believer when a believer does that, when they're willing to lay down their life to meet the need of others. He goes on to say, bear with one another, submit to one another, encourage one another. Those are manifestations of love for each other. You ever encourage people? I get a kick out of this that I, I remember when I first started teaching. I think I first started teaching junior high boys. This was back in a little church over in San Pablo. And uh, I can remember I was stunned by this, that as I began to teach, these kids actually cared about me. I couldn't get over it because I just was putting up with them. That's all I was doing. You know, but they actually, they actually appreciated the fact I was teaching them what the Bible said. Isn't that amazing? The payoff for the believer who loves fellow believers the way Christ loved the church and the way Christ loves you is, such, is so high. It's so glorious. And God wants you to, to taste and see that the Lord is good in your Christian service. When you serve one another, when you actually care about somebody and say, you know, I want to help you out. I can see that you need help in this area. Could I come and help you out? That's, that's, that has to be a manifestation of love, doesn't it? And, and when it's that, it glorifies the Father. It glorifies him. It shows what he's really like. And this is why he says this. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. Isn't that great? I just think that's the most amazing thing, that he tells us this. I had never seen this before until I studied this passage, that no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. In other words, it's brought to its designed end. You know why God has saved you? So that you could be an instrument in his hands and love other people. And to give life to others. The life that you were given was a gift from God. He didn't charge you anything. He paid it. He paid the price in order to give you the salvation that you have. And now he wants you to have the same kind of love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. 
This is what he's called us to. So this love that originated in God himself and is manifested in the Son is now perfected in the love of believers for one another. Isn't that great? I just think that's the neatest thing in the world, that the love of God in us is perfected when we love one another. That is amazing. And God is the one who shows us what real love is, what it's really like to, to love fellow believers. It's an amazing truth. What only Jesus could do for the Father, he's chosen to use us to do that. The, the Son wants the Father to know that we have received his love. And so when we love one another, he sees that our love has been perfected. It's brought to its designed end. I've, all of us have experiences. We've been loved by people in the, in the body of Christ that just amazes us that people reach out to us. I have a grandson who's a Christian, and he, uh, he practically drives me crazy because he's always wanting to do something for me. I'm just kidding about the driving me crazy. It was the most wonderful thing in the world. But, I mean, he, he would do anything for me. I just can't get over it, how he wants to help me. Whenever he thinks I'm in, I have some need, he wants to meet it. And I get to feeling so guilty that I have to turn him down three or four times so that I don't take advantage of him. But I'm amazed at it. But see, that's what the love of Christ is. That's what the love of Christ is, and that's what glorifies the Father. You want to glorify the Father? Love your fellow believer the way that Christ loved you. If you want to know how he loved you, just read, go back to the cross. You know, if your life turns, if your life begins to turn into characterized by selfishness, you know what you should do? Go back and look at the cross again. And you'll see what selflessness really looks like. This is what Jesus did for us. And none of us compare with that. It's it's glorious, isn't it? That he has laid down his life for us because of his love for us. And so now he's telling us, I want to give you a new commandment. And I love that. He says, "By, by this, all men will know that you are my disciple." Not by being able to explain the Trinity, not by trying to be able to explain the hypostatic union, if you know what that is. It's not going to be by that. The way that God is going to be glorified is when you love your fellow believers as Christ has loved you. As Christ has loved you. It's it's so wonderful to watch that in the lives of people, to see them love fellow believers and being willing to lay down their lives for them. It's an amazing thing. And that's what God has called us to. And he wants, he wants us to live the kind of life that he can say, your love is being perfected. The love that I had placed in my son, that I displayed in my son, I'm now displaying in you because of your love for each other. This is what he has called us to. Now, I don't have uh, projects for you. I just want you to love your brother and sister as yourself. Love your brothers and sisters in Christ as yourself. And that's going to glorify God. Maybe nobody will know about it but the Father. That's enough, though, isn't it? That is enough. And he does know. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. Let me pray for us. Our Father, we experience our need so deeply. We are so aware, Father, how easy it is for us to live life without loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's so easy to spend time in this world 
and never get to the most important thing in all of life, which is to manifest the kind of love Christ has manifested for us and to us, to others. And so we pray that you would help us this week to find opportunity to manifest the love of Christ to our brothers and sisters in Christ. May we be a people that are marked by this. I pray that we, we would be the kind of people that people would say, those are disciples of Jesus. You can tell by the way they live. You can tell by the way they love. And Father, we pray that you'd do that for us. We want to be that kind of a, a church. We want to be a church that is characterized by our love for each other. We are so thankful for your love for us, Father, and for giving us this opportunity. Uh, we, we are thankful that you have given us the wonderful opportunity to love our brothers and sisters in Christ in a way that glorifies you. And so we pray that you would bring this about in our lives. We will give you thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. To respond to this message or learn more, please visit calvarytruth.org.